Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mudiwa Gawaza, and for today we get into a discussion that I think is going to um, wind down some very interesting parts um, uh, just around what's going on over in, uh, I'm going to say for now, I'm going to call it the auditing profession, uh, where our guest is going to you know clarify for us which pieces uh, of the auditing profession we're talking about and you know what the current state of the industry is and how their on-demand business model has been able to cope um, in the current environment that we are in. So to get into that discussion, um, we are joined by uh, Darren Isaacs, who is a founder and CEO of uh, Makosi. Uh, they are a, uh, a company that uh, specializes in just-in-time staffing needs uh, for audit firms. Darren, greetings to you today. How are you doing? Very good to be here. It's always good, uh, you know, to chat to people, you know, that are out there giving us a sense of what's going on over in, I'm going to call it for now, the labor, the labor market, because you guys are, uh, you know, at the core that's the sector within which you're playing, of course, with the specialization when it comes to audit. Uh, but uh, Makosi itself, um, just some insight into what the company does and uh, where you guys are actually playing in the sector. So, so, so Makosi really helps accounting firms grow and service their, their client base by giving them access to a community of, of accountants worldwide. So if you think about about public accounting firms, they are effectively professional services firms. So they they rely on on recruiting people, training them up, and delivering their their service out to out to their end clients. So if if you think of any uh, other business model, there's always constraints around around supply chain. You know, so if you're building buildings, there's a there's a supply chain constraint around bricks and and materials and that type of thing in professional services it's very much around how do you get people into those businesses in a very efficient way build that pyramid and ultimately provide value to to your end clients so particularly in public accounting there are less and less people wanting to become accountants so it's a scarce resource and so what we enable public accounting firms to do is utilize our global community of accountants and ultimately help their businesses grow it's a very interesting business, uh, you know, that you've uh, set up for yourself there. I'm keen, you know, keen to understand a couple of things. Uh, firstly, um, when did you start the business? Secondly, is your proximity to uh, uh, the whole, uh, South Africa? And then thirdly, um, what the business looks like now, whatever you can share in terms of, you know, maybe the number of professionals you're offering on the platform and that type of thing. So... I'm a chartered accountant from from South Africa. I, did, I, I qualified as a as a CA. I, I did my articles at PwC. Um, I started the firm soon after I, I left PwC. I started in in 2006. So we've been doing this for a a, a very long time. Um, I am proudly South African, even though I do live in in America. I still consider South Africa to be my my home country. Um, and I think the the idea of of enabling particularly South African chartered accountants to get on the global stage. You know, how do we how do we create awareness globally around how how uh, brilliant South African chartered accountants re really are? 
um, but to be able to do that in a very, very fast and and tech-enabled way. So started the firm in in 2006, and I think it took us about uh, it took us a year and a half to really land our uh, our first client. And um, you know these the, these things do, do do take time. So we 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 grew at a at, at a reasonable rate for about uh, for about ten years. But I think it was really when when COVID started that it really uh, it really enabled our our business to grow very very rapidly. So four xing our business consistently over the uh, over the last four years, and currently we're sitting at about eight hundred people that are that are deployed. But our platform really provides access to twelve thousand. Um, chartered accountants and CPAs globally in a very, very fast, rapid and, and high quality manner. You know, when it comes to the chartered accountant uh, designation, I'm not shy to, you know, say that when I first went to university many years ago, I had a dream of becoming a chartered accountant, but uh, second year accounting and specifically tax, um, you know, showed me that, no, this was actually not, uh, you know, going to be my life or my career. And, um, you know, with the, with the with the different designations, one of the things that you then realize is that, you know, various countries have their own boards. Uh, South Africa has SICA, which is the South African Institute of uh, Chartered Accountants in uh, in the United States where you're based. You know, I think we talk about CPAs um, and the like. So very keen to understand because I do know that the Chartered Accountant um, designation is international and it does carry um, in a number of countries. But when someone is navigating, let's say, getting work in, let's say, the States, how do you, um, I guess, navigate, uh, because you are a global platform, how do you navigate, you know, the various qualifications? Does your, does my specific, you know, CASA, CAZW, whatever it is, you know, only carry me in those countries where they recognize it? Or, you know, how does it work? Uh, so it's a very good question, and I think our uh, we we've got a very very tight relationship with Psyca, and and one of the the missions of, or mandates of Psyca is actually to create global awareness of how great um, CASAs are, you know, really really are, and so our, our ability to to actually go and educate the world about the quality of chartered accountants from from South Africa is a major thing that 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 we actually provide. Just wanted to touch on a point you you mentioned earlier. Um, you wanted to become a chartered accountant, but stalled in your second year of, of university. The challenge that we're seeing is that less and less people are actually coming into varsity and wanting to, to become an accountant when we see that it's one of the most compelling um, careers to actually to actually do. So being able to attract more people into university and give them access to a global, a global client base um, you know, provides room to grow for for the South African chartered accountant. But I think that because we've been we've been doing this so long, we've been a driving force in actually bringing chartered accountants from South Africa to the international community. So when we started, there was confusion around who's you know what is the CASA. But I think we were the we were the first, and we 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 definitely the the biggest proponent of of creating that that global awareness. Um, and it is interesting, you know, when when you then think about the accounting profession from a, I guess, global point of view, uh, because a couple of things come to mind. Um, the first one being the fact that, uh, I guess, accountants are seen differently in different parts of the world, but universally, it's considered to be a great career to be in. Curious to get your sense of why, um, I guess, 
we view accountants differently in certain parts. I'll give the example that I have in my head. In uh, in Southern Africa, I've noticed that in South Africa and surrounding countries, um, a lot of your CEOs, chief operating officers, obviously your CFOs, uh, but a lot of executives in uh, in major corporations tend to be CAs. But that's less so in a country like uh, the United States. I've actually noticed that um, liberal arts does very well in uh, in the in the United States as well as uh, marketing guys. Um, you know, end up you know being you know in that position. Uh, yeah, just keen to you know get get your sense just around how differently accountants you know are viewed you know in various parts of the world because I'm pretty sure that then lends itself to the opportunities that are available for people that pursue the career. Great question. Our our opinion is that Psyca has done such an incredible job in in really defining um, accountants historically and what the accountant of of the future will will be through through CA twenty twenty five. I think that that becoming a South African chartered accountant really gives you a, a way broader set of experience than, for example, an an American CPA, which is way more focused on on tax. So I often get the question about you know should you do should should you become a chartered accountant from South Africa and do an MBA. And in my opinion, a chartered accountant of South Africa is it's it's the whole package. It's it's the MBA, it's the economics, it's the tax, it's the auditing, the the accounting, and a very, very well-rounded professional that we don't believe exists anywhere else globally. Okay. Yeah, that's actually a, you know, that's actually a great one. And at least we can see that uh the local qualifications are carrying weight in uh, you know, various parts of the world. Now to dive deeper into your business model as uh, as Makosi, there's the staffing of uh, the audit profession, right? And there's a lot of things that are happening in terms of trends and all of that. Who is typically uh, the, the the type of uh, client that you guys are servicing? Who's coming in and actually asking to um, access your network of 12,000 professionals? Is it big companies, small companies? Is it uh, large firms, small firms? Like, what's the typical profile? So we... We love the idea that it's it's way better to be in the painkiller business than the vitamin business. And so public accounting globally has has so many issues and and primarily around around staffing. And so we actually call the the, the villain in the industry the growth ceiling. So most public accounting firms have almost un, uh, unlimited opportunity to to grow. But again, they have that supply chain constraint around accessing quality, you know quality people. Um, so our our client base really goes from small firms that maybe have five or six uh, people, and they are aggressive around around growth. You know, they see opportunities, but they don't want to hire people full time before that opportunity uh, arises. So we actually help um, small public accounting firms get those first few clients, or maybe create new new service lines, and then we deal all the way through to those those big those big four clients who also have their own their own specific constraints our sweet spot is really that that middle market uh, firm who might have a a global presence aggressively growing and again might be a little bit uh, nervous about tackling new areas like uh, cannabis crypto the gaming industry and that type of thing all of these new cool industries that are coming up 
Um, but again, clients may be a little bit nervous to go and sell if they don't have those those people. So very, very broad client base, but primarily our client base is public accounting firms in, in professional services. Uh, and when it comes to something like that, is it because I can imagine that uh, because of the different, uh, what you call this, the different types of work that uh, auditors and accountants typically do, I can imagine that there might be demand at a time when, you know, um, certain companies are doing, you know, uh, their, their, their year-end audits. Uh, that tends to be, I'm sure that's a, that's a time when you guys experience, um, you know, some of those spikes. Uh, but also curious to understand, is there is there opportunity for, you know, the advisory type of, uh, um, you know, type of work? You know, I think a lot of your, your, your accounting firms have now become advisors on the IT side, on the marketing side. Is that all within the scope or is it purely just on the audit side? The public accounting firms traditionally sell three services. They sell, you know, audit or assurance, tax, and then the advisory side of the house as well. The firms love the advisory stuff because it's very high margin. The problem with it, however, is that it's very sporadic. So there may be something cool and interesting in, in the market that, that clients will want to advise on, very high margin, but then it will disappear. So it is challenging for firms to really scale up their advisory practices and tackle, you know, go go after those opportunities. So, so we we really service um, the assurance part of the house and the advisory side. The only thing we don't do currently is is tax. But again, it it, it enables the audit firms to start driving higher margin business. You know, the advisory stuff is always high margin, but they have the same issues around training and attracting the the right people to go off and and deliver. Um. In this part of the of the discussion, I wanted to you know maybe switch tact a little bit because we've spoken quite a bit about what it is that you guys are doing, the type of clients that you guys have, and the demand that you that you have, and what's popular the the audit the typical audit, but you know like you said, um, the attractiveness of uh, the high margins that come from you know things like your advisory, and it's to touch on something that you mentioned earlier on to say that. Um, there is this trend where there aren't that many people that are, you know, looking to get into the profession, going to university and the like. Is there a reason for it? Because I think just from my own reading, a lot of people have been spelling the end of the accounting profession for a couple of years now. Even before we spoke about, uh, you know, uh, the chat GPTs, a lot of people pointing to things like um, some of the online accounting services and the like to say that why should anyone, you know, hire an accountant when you can just go and have some of these services? What is, what's actually happening on the ground? I'm speaking as a, you know someone who's looking from the outside in, but from the inside out, uh, what are you actually seeing? What's the reason why we're seeing some of these shortages in the sector? I think that fundamentally, people coming into or, or making a decision around what career they they want to pursue have. I think fundamentally they've lost sight of the reason for an audit. You know, the the audit there is really to serve the public interest. And I think that, um, which is very confusing to us because the, the younger generation, they, they're all about purpose. I, I want to have a purpose in, in life. I want to be, be part of something bigger than, bigger than myself. And I think that there's, there's somewhat of a disconnect around the, the message. You know, what is the career being in public accounting actually do? And it's a very purposeful um, existence. And I think, I think um, there's a, a big initiative to go and educate people 
in high school about you know why you know the the impact that you can have on the world being being in in public accounting more more kind of um tactically though we see people um feel that the hours in public accounting you know you work crazy hours at certain time of the year and then another time of the year nothing's going on you get you, you get completely bored um there's also less and less of an allure to becoming an audit partner because the audit partners are under a lot of strain from the, the regulators, um, particularly in, in South Africa, obviously with, with a lot of the, the scandals, those, those audit partners are under a lot of scrutiny. So a lot of the young kids say, well, why do I want to become a, a partner? I'm just going to get monitored and, and watched all the time. So there is a very, very um, a, a tight balance between providing quality assurance services and the, regula the regulatory environment that goes around it and how that might thwart um, creativity and encourage people to come into the profession. When I was growing up and I first, you know, had an interest in the world of, you know, uh, of, of business, I always had dreams of sitting on multiple boards of directors and, you know, and the like. And, you know, I still do. Uh, but there is a recognition that things have changed, especially over the last maybe 10 or 15 years. When thing, when someone thinks about the king the king codes of governance and all of that there's now so much more of a of a of, of a microscope um that's on governance that's on boards of directors and the like uh i still want to do it but i could honestly understand why you know someone else you know wouldn't want to participate in something like that so on your end when uh young people or whoever you know comes in and voices some of this discontent to say, why should I get into this? What's the incentive, do you think, in the face of, um, you know, all of that regulation, the long hours, like you said, and all that? I think this is a fundamental issue in or, or challenge in, in public accounting is is creating that that awareness that um, public accounting is is valuable. It is it is cool. It's a very, very compelling uh, a career to actually get into and i think that's that's been a, a key part of our our success that being able to give the accountants access to to global opportunities so it's not only about servicing the our, our end clients it's about creating an incredible adventure for for accountants and uh, before COVID, we you know we used to fly people all around the world and sort out accommodation and visas and put them on this global extravaganza experiencing audits engagements um, globally and so you know i think really creating that that purpose and that and that attraction and creating some excitement about uh, about being an accountant is a big is a big part of our, our success and it shows up in our in our numbers the way that people um, use our platform the number of people that, that we have actively engaged at any one point it's clear that people want to use this skill but take it onto the global stage and um, and have some fun with it no, it it is it is an interesting uh, interesting conundrum to be faced in uh, an important one. Uh, but I think at this point it would be good for us to bring in you know what is probably the biggest buzzword in technology right now, and that's AI, artificial intelligence. And uh, when the likes of ChatGPT came into effect at the end of last year and into this year, uh, a lot of careers have been spelled out to say this means that. And I think lawyers yeah, is one of the the legal profession is one that's been earmarked as being at risk. 
Um, I am not shy to say that my profession of uh, of writing is another one that people are saying that uh, it's dead in the water. And accounting, you know, is another one that people are speaking about. Any thoughts just around that? Is it uh, is there are there elements of truth? Um, you know, are people overhyping? You know, an unnecessary issue. Your thoughts? I think any. Any business needs to pay attention to to chat GPT and some of these other technologies that are coming coming down the line. I think that though currently chat GPT has not been able to pass the board exam or or the CPA exam, in fact failed it miserably. So I think we'll we'll hang our hats on 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 that, you know, at, at least for a few more months until it until it wisens up. But you know, there there are peripheral areas where uh, around the Around the audit profession, which which can actually benefit from 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 ChatGPT, there's a lot of inefficiency around scheduling and how resources are actually utilized. So, if you think of a, a professional services firms that uses a population of people that, are, that that is shrinking, it's all about how do we how do we create efficiency around how we use our people. And so, we see that the immediate opportunity around AI is actually around creating efficiency around the the scheduling and resource management um, uh, uh, around these business practices. So it's, it's definitely an opportunity for firms to actually drive profitability, bring efficiencies in with AI, but not currently, um, you know, how, how the end work is actually delivered to um, to that client. But, you know, this, this thing will continue to, to, to get smarter. But I think um, I, I think there, there are a lot of opportunities, again, in in the public interest that these technologies will bring. Does Makosi have a strategy around AI? So our, our, our tech our tech platform right now does use certain certain components of of AI. Um, you know the 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 way that that we harvest data and and we understand what our people what what experience our people have, um, which people are going to work best on 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 certain client engagements and that uh, and that type of thing. But this thing has moved very, very quickly. You know, if you think that that ChatGPT came onto the scene only only a couple of months ago, I think a lot of people are putting task forces together to say, well, is it a threat? Is it a, is, is it an opportunity? And so we are very much monitoring this thing and 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 putting a team together um, again to see how we can bring bring value to our our, our end clients. All right. And I think a good place for us to end may be bringing all of the various themes that we've discussed, um, you know, together. You've spoken quite a bit about awareness and the work that needs to be done to educate people about the fact that there is a future in audit and all that. Do you feel like the audit profession itself has been doing enough of a good job to 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 market itself well as uh, as a place for um, I guess having a good career and having you know that growth simply because you know I think you alluded to some of the scandals in South Africa I can even point to you know inter big international ones um, you know my history always points me back to Arthur Anderson in the late nineties with uh, you know the likes of Enron and all that um, yeah just uh, gauging your thoughts on that as we end off I think that that is where the challenge lies. I think that um, helping people understand that um, how do we get kids to to switch this perception, particularly around their article years? You know, um, a lot of people will use their article years as just a means to an end to get that CSA and then go out into into industry and do the things that I actually want to do. 
Um, but I think that Saika again has done an incredible job with CA twenty twenty five and the the accountants of of the future, in really providing a much more broad skill set. And I think that the opportunities around ESG are, are something that I I think that um, you know an, an offshoot or, or, or an adjacency around uh, around auditing is going to be very very powerful because I think that that is really going to connect the. Um, a, a true global purpose around auditing. This isn't just a set of financials. This is now around like how we actually monitoring how this business is showing up for the world. And I think that when when young professionals really get their, their head around that and the, the role that they get to play in that, I think it's really going to create a, a, an, an exciting employee and, and professional value proposition for them going forward. All right. So it has been a very, you know, interesting discussion. Um, I think we've, uh, you know, we, 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 we dived quite deep, um, you know, into the weeds, uh, you know, about uh, the auditing profession today. Really great to, you know, just uh, have an understanding of what's going on uh, because we often hear about uh, youth unemployment in South Africa and even globally, um, you know, so many different trends that we're hearing. Uh, we hear about, uh, you know, quiet hiring. We hear about quiet quitting. We hear about all of these different things that are going on. And, uh, you know, someone like uh, Darren just make just, you know, sounding out the alarm to say that uh, we do need more people to come into uh, the auditing profession. But at the same time, it's not easy uh, because you do need to educate people around um, why it's still a valuable career. And uh, right now, at least in corporate South Africa and in many parts of the world, I can think of places like Australia and the UK, there is still a lot of, um, you know, a lot of gravitas and respect uh, that's been, that's uh, still given to the audit profession, but um, a lot of work does need to be done on the side of the auditing profession itself uh, to actually give itself good uh, PR so that you can get more and more young people to want to get um, into that career. And also very fascinating, that business model around, um, you know, Makosi and uh, the fact that, uh, you you know, it does point to uh, the different ways in which um, companies are looking to staff um, their own operations, particularly um, in that uh, small to middle market where you want to take on some of the large projects, uh, but, um, you know, you might not necessarily have the staff on hand, uh, but reaching into a service like Makosi, um, you know, does give you that um, ability. And I think for myself, it does point to um, a greater, I don't, I don't like using the word Uberization, but, you know, I'm just going to say Uberization for now, um, where you do see a number of different professional services do are heading in that direction. Um, I think, you know, locally we've been talking quite a bit about uh, different, um, you know, some of the different platforms that are coming up that are offering small businesses access to, let's say, lawyers and accountants and marketers, you know, uh, on an on-demand basis because they might not necessarily have a budget uh, to have some of these people on hand so very fascinating and it would be good to catch up with uh, you know Darren and his team um, again in future just to see uh, some of the things that uh, you know they will be seeing and how things are developing over time so that was us we're in uh, conversation with Darren Isaacs he is the founder and CEO of Makosi Darren thank you so much for being with us today anytime thank you
And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So from myself and the rest of the team it is a good evening good afternoon and good morning